This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 309, where today, CJ and AC are going to catch up on the latest news on Microsoft Azure, recorded live July the 1st, 2019. A 99.9% SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, maybe even a dinosaur attack. Does it protect you from yourself, though? Avpoint Backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery from individual items to entire team sites. Avpoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover anytime you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why Avpoint is the Microsoft Cloud expert at www.avpoint.com. Well, this is a little different from recording on Thursdays normally. CJ, good morning on Monday morning. How are you doing? Monday morning, my friend. What can I say? (laughs) I've been awake for quite a few hours, but I'm moving pretty slow right now. (laughs) Yeah, so we saw each other last week. We didn't get a chance to record, and I got horrific food poisoning after we met, so I was kind of out all day Friday. So uh, here we are Monday morning. I am moderately more cheerful than I was over the weekend. (laughs) You, I have never... So we had dinner on Thursday night. And it was one of those meals that there's a little bit of family style kind of stuff to it. So we had the same appetizer, we had the same yeah. drinks, we had the same the same sides. And then yep. we each got like a steak, but I had one cut, one kind of cut, and you had a different cut. Yep. And I was flying home on Friday, and I think around like somewhere around like five or six or seven AM, you texted me and said, mm. Well, I'll we'll spare the listeners. <laughs> He's like, I hope you're okay. And I just start I'm like oh my God, I'm going to be on a plane for like 10 hours today. Yes, it does take me about 10 hours to get home. I was like, I'm going to be flying for like 10 hours today. I was like, I'm terrified to get on a plane right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was rough. I just, yeah, I hate that. Anyway, it was um, pretty bad. But uh, no, I'm feeling much better now. And then just to top (laughs) things off, just to top things off, you know how things typically go sideways in pairs or triples? Yeah. So... On the weekend, or actually late last week, maybe it was Friday, Vicky said, my wife said, my computer stopped working, right? You know how you cock her? Just like you did there, you, you cocked your head sideways and went, huh? What do you mean? Yeah. Computer stopped. Does it mean like your mouse has stopped working? Or does it mean like the screen stopped working? Or does it mean the whole computer won't switch on? Anyways, she has an iMac, like a, a late 2013, I think, iMac. It's pretty old, right? And... I walk up to it and it's got the, the folder flashing with the question mark in the middle when she tries to boot, which is Apple nomenclature for can't find a system drive. And so it looks like this is the iMac that I originally did surgery on and removed the old spinning drive and put an SSD in. And mm-hmm. it looks like the SSDs had died. So, oh, and then just to top things off, I'm like, great, everything was in Dropbox, right? And she's like, well, what about all the stuff on my desktop? <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and also, just add all insult into to the industry, our NAS, that her machine would normally be doing time machine backups to, was not up and running since we'd moved houses. And which is my bad, in fairness. And so it wasn't doing a time machine backup for a desktop stuff. Anyway, so yeah, so I had to get a new SSD. I took the old one out. I put it in an external drive. I mounted it, used some disk recovery tools, managed to rescue a lost partition on it and recover some files. Not a lot. She just needed the stuff off a desktop basically and grabbed all those and uh, got a machine back up and running. 
So, yeah, husband for the win. You know, you when you get burned on not having a backup, you get burned. I think that we get all get burned like two or three times. Yeah. And by the time that like that third time happens, like, and you know, pardon my French, everybody, but you're just like, you know what? I'm getting this shit one time and this is going to work right. And so same thing, got a home NAS, got my laptop, does time machine backups to it. Meredith does as well. My wife, her laptop does as well. And a couple weeks ago, I was like three weeks ago, two weeks ago, she texts me and she's like, you know what sucks? I'm like, yeah, I got a long list. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Yeah. And she's like, well, what sucks is when you spill your coffee on your laptop keyboard. I was like, oh, that's not good. I'm like, well, how much you got on your keyboard? And she goes, well, it wasn't like a open cup. It was like one of those, you know, steel kind of thermosy kind of things. And it tipped over and you had like this, uh, just like kind of like dribbled out, kept dribbling on her laptop. She goes, I grabbed my laptop and I flipped it over. And then I went through and, you know, got a towel out. And I was like, all right, well, that helps. She goes, do you have any other suggestions? I'm like, do we have a lot of rice? And she's like, is that going to work? I'm like, no, I just wanted to see if you fall for it. (laughs) Then like five minutes later, she goes, it's actually working pretty good now. Everything's fine. And then about two hours later, I get another text and she's like, so my keys are sticking. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's right. You put honey in your coffee. I'm like, oh. She took it it to Apple. We have Apple Care on it. She took it to Apple and they're like, yep. So it's going to be like, uh, what did they say? Either 130 or 299, one of the two, 129 or, or 299. They said, we're basically going to have to rebuild your machine. We're going to have to send it off, whatever. I'm like, when's the last time you backed up your machine? And she said, well, everything's in Google Drive. Like, when you say everything, like, let's make sure we're defining everything's in Google Drive, right? I said, you don't put stuff on your desktop. I said the same thing. He's like, she said, no. She goes, I just, I don't know everything that I had installed on my laptop. I'm like, well, you said you wanted your machine rebuilt because we were having trouble with Outlook. And she's like, well, whatever. Yeah. Takes it in. And uh, she bring, gets it back like two or three days later. And Apple's like, hey, guess what? We didn't have to blow your machine away. We got to keep the same drive. So everything works the same way. I'm like, sweet. She comes home and I get the printout of all the stuff that they did to it. She got a new display, a new display cable, a new keyboard, a new logic board, which includes new RAM modules and a new battery. And the only thing that is the same as what she had was a hard drive. I'm like, Wow. I was like, my laptop's like two years old. I would love it if I could spill coffee with honey in there, screw up my keyboard, and they replace everything but the hard drive. I'm like, that's exactly what I... Can I get a brand new battery too? (laughs) Hey, so one thing I found out is a friend of mine said to me, hey, with OneDrive, there's a button in the OneDrive app settings on the backup tab called Important PC Folders, and it's titled Backup My Files in Desktop Documents pictures to OneDrive so they're protected and available on other devices. So you can manage your backup with OneDrive and have it back up your desktop too, which is pretty cool. Huh. I don't know if they do that on the Mac, but on Windows, that's... Where did you say that? Where was it on yours? That's in the OneDrive settings on the backup tab. Okay, so we don't have a backup tab. There's a manage backup button and you can back up your pictures, desktop and documents folder with one click. It's pretty sweet. So I don't have that, but I wonder, I have one, what is this manage apps? Oh, Oh, never mind. Yeah, pretty cool though, huh? That is cool. I'm pretty happy with OneDrive, man. I'm really happy with OneDrive. But on a Mac, I'm really happy with it. Nice. There's no way I would have said that earlier this year too. It's surprising to me that I'm able to say it. But hey, guess what? What's that? Oh, 
Hi, Vicky. Vicky's in the background. Oh, she waved to me. She left you. Huh. I just see where it is. Um, <laughs> Fun. <laughs> I, don't have my I got my MVP renewal award today. Yay. Congratulations. Yeah. The part that I'm actually happy about, though, with it, well, I'm happy about getting my MVP reward. For the longest time, since they got rid of the SharePoint designation and switched everybody over to Office 365 and they, a couple different names, but whenever, when they did that, like five-ish years ago, I think, I got flipped to an Office Apps and Services MVP, which basically said I was a power user slash IT pro. And but I kept asking and I'm like, I'm a developer, I'm a developer, I'm a developer. And you don't want me doing any IT pro stuff. I've the joke is I can I can do the disaster recovery part. I just I've mastered the disaster part. The recovery part I still can't do. So we need yeah. somebody else to do that stuff. And hey, got my email today and it goes, Congratulations, office development. I'm like, oh yes, finally, I feel like I belong. Oh, there you go. You got your tribe. I do. I got my tribe. It's good. So I feel so much better now. But we could ramble on and on and on. I could tell you about my story of I'm actually I have to replace the heater on my refrigerator. <laughs> Did you know heaters refrigerators have heaters? No, I had no idea. I'm my getting just blown. I am getting blocks of ice showing up in my refrigerator. Oh like, yeah. My ice maker is making ice, but the cavity around the ice maker is also developing a lot of ice as well. And a friend of mine just said, yep, my refrigerator, the heating element went out of my refrigerator. I'm like, wait, wait, it's a refrigerator. Why do you need the heating element on a refrigerator? Ends up, it's used to help evaporate the condensation so it doesn't freeze. So I opened up my ice maker last night and I pulled out a block of ice that was as big around and as long as my forearm. All of a sudden, the ice maker started working. I'm like, I have to take ice out of my ice maker to get it to work? Okay, whatever. Crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, I don't either. So I'll let you know if this is a service call thing or if you can do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Good. yeah I've nice. got two Google tabs open right now. <laughs> I've got a refrigerator for my heater and my refrigerator. Gotcha. Yeah, no kidding. But how about nice. we do some news? You want to do that? Sounds good. Okay. Hey, before we do that, though, I want to hear from one of our absolutely stellar, awesome sponsors. Actually, let's listen. Let's hear from a pair of them because um, these are the guys that make the show possible. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, would you take it? Because our friends over at Nintex want to give you a gift. The gift of time. Seriously. If you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities and most recently, a new e-sign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to spend it however you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. For those of us familiar with ShareGate, we know that they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now that we've all moved to the cloud, like me, you're probably thinking, how about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-serve environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, AKA sprawl. That's why the folks at ShareGate developed ShareGate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 group's governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. Their super simple to use in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, AKA no more sprawl. Want to get your hands on ShareGate Apricot? Try it for free for 30 days at sharegate.com slash collegeshow. 
Okay, Mr. Johnson, I went through, grabbed a bunch of recent news related to Azure, and it kind of falls into two different categories that we have. We've got things that are like have been announced as preview, and we got stuff that's been announced in GA. And it's a lot of little stuff that we're doing today, a lot of little Azure update news, but there's some interesting stuff. And then we'll chat about some stuff at the very end about a, a couple of paralinks that are interesting and a new service that's out that looks really cool, especially if you're a, a node or a, a JavaScript-based developer. But the first one I have here is that it's a, a dev preview or a preview that's been announced. And what Microsoft has done now is that they're... Um, you familiar with Azure Data Lake Storage? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who are not, I would assume that everybody's familiar with at least Azure Storage and that, you know where you can store files or media in Azure. Data Lake Storage, specifically Gen 2, is just like... It sits on top of Azure Storage, but it's been optimized for a lot of data analysis tasks. So being able to have really fast access to the data for things like Hadoop and that kind of stuff. Well, what they've done is they have now introduced Azure Data Lake Storage Gen 2 integration with Azure Event Grid. So what this is going to let people do is you can now generate events from your Data Lake Storage Gen 2 that can be consumed by Event Grid and then routed to other subscribers via like webhooks or event hubs or Azure Functions and logic ads as well with different endpoints. What this is going to let some people do is they're also going to be able to detect individual changes to specific files and directories that can be automatically captured and made available to data engineers by creating like rich big data analytics platforms that are going to use event-driven architectures. So you don't have to have some scheduled service say, go process this and go process this. You can say, hey, look, new file got updated. Let's go rerun our slice and dicers. That's cool. Yeah. I got a link here to it in the uh, link to the blog post uh, where this was announced in late June on the Azure blog. Uh, a couple of the things about it that are interesting about it is that it is some of the events that are made available are blob created, blob deleted, blob renamed, directory created, deleted, and renamed. Seamless integration, integration to automate workflows, enabling customers to build event-driven pipelines in minutes, enable alerting with rapid reaction for creation, delete, deletion, and renaming of files and directories and eliminating the complexity and expense of polling services. So, ta-da. Very cool. There's some more GA stuff coming out in Azure land. The first one off the block is around general availability of Azure Premium Files, it's called. Some people don't know about this, but you can create file shares in Azure Storage that you can mount into machines, right? So, like as, you know, shares, basically, things like Windows machines and Linux machines and all that sort of stuff. We use this for, we mount a share into each of our machines for doing backup log shipping, basically. So we copy all these logs to a file share. It's just like a persistent forever, forever more backup location. It's just another place we stick them. And they've recently announced that they're going GA with the premium version of that. So that means being able to do that on solid-state drives with better I.O. performance. So if you're needing to mount shares for things like databases, volumes, home directories, content, documents, all that sort of stuff that you need, a bit better perf on than spinning drives, then SSDs are the way to go. And um, you can do it with premium file shares now. Oh, sorry, premium files, they're called. Yeah. Premium files. Cool, very cool. Yeah. I think you just had the ability to pick... The spinning drive, like standard performance stuff, not premium. The on kicked in, right? In the middle of (laughs) it is just files. It is files after all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So switching back to the dev preview stuff, the API management developer portal has gotten revamped. There's a new one that's got a modern look and feel and improved usability, stability, unlocks new, new scenarios such as automation, RBAC, custom extensions. That is now available in dev in preview. So this is the API management development preview. There are a handful of new services or new capabilities you can do. Things like it's a new modern look that has a nice theme associated with it, making it easier. It looks more seamless to the rest of Azure. It's customizable via an editor. So things like a special pane for designers so that all the styling can be controlled from a central location. It's all open source. The code base for the portal is public in GitHub, and you can see the public roadmap as well. And this one's interesting. They welcome contributions. That's pretty cool. There's a few more of those more recently, right? Where it's not just open source, because you know it's not really open source, open source, unless you mm. can take contributions, right? I guess it's published. I don't even know what the right term is for... Source open. Closed open source, anyway. So there's closed um, source, there's open source, and there's source open. Source open means we don't take pull requests, but you can there see... There you them. go. Yeah, that's a good term for it. Source yeah. open. Right. Yeah, there's a few more of those coming out of Microsoft more recently. It's nice. Yeah, so um, that's new. March towards global domination continues. Application Insights is generally available in the central US region. So if you're an uh, Application Insights user then there's more region availability for you. And also Azure Container Registry, ACR, is available in South Africa North. <laughs> South Africa North? <laughs> South Africa North, yeah. The top part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this reminds me of when people say, where are you from? Originally, I say, oh, I'm from, I'm from New Zealand. And they say, where in New Zealand? And I said, Wellington. And they say, where is that? And I'm saying, it's the south of the North Island. <laughs> it's the bottom of the top. That one's, see, that one's easy. It's to roughly think. in the middle. <laughs> Have you ever talked to somebody from Michigan and they go to New they like, you know, what part of Michigan is that? And then they show you their hand? No, no. So next time you meet somebody from Michigan, ask them where they're from. Yep. And if they don't pull their hand up and just show you their palm of their hand with their thumb sticking out, put your hand up and go like, okay, where? Which bit? <laughs> this because they they all like they understand you go, well if you look at michigan it looks like your hand and so i'm like right there and so if you put your hand up then they'll be like oh you know the handshake so we're good classic okay i'll definitely do that next time i don't know if it's going to offend them or not so but let me know so give that a shot yeah we'll do <laughs> <laughs> my last dev preview one that i've got here is azure monitor for containers azure monitor for containers for live data uh, sorry for containers live data setting has changed. They've got the ability to, when you have the, you can have your containers published to Azure Monitor to get live streaming of what's going on, both in the containers, how the way they're performing mm -hmm. and stuff. The location of where that is, the redirect URI has changed. This is specifically for those who are using Azure AD and AKS, Azure Kubernetes Service. Yep. So the document, the URLs have changed. There is a documentation here that explains how to do it. So you get the live logs and everything. You just got to make sure that you repoint the URLs to the new location to make sure that everything is getting published to the correct spot. Yeah, gotcha. If you are a VSTS customer or Azure DevOps, as it's now called, they've recently released the ability to link or see GitHub activity from 
your Kanban boards. Pretty mm. sweet. So now you can get information about your commits and pull requests and stuff, issues from your Kanban board and sort of the linkage between the two, which is quite a nice. Mm. This will be really interesting to see over time, you know, how Azure DevOps and GitHub sort of slowly come together. I don't even know, like, if that's really even going to happen. But, well, sorry, by that I mean, will they just become one product or will it remain two products, but the integration between the two is just deeper and deeper and deeper? Mm. I suspect it'll probably be the latter because it would just really piss everybody off if that was the former in the open source world, I think. So they've got to be really careful about how they how they manage GitHub. But it just wouldn't surprise me if like Azure DevOps becomes a really sort of the premium CI, CD, work management layer over the top of repos that are provided by GitHub. Mm-hmm. It seems a little bit like me, like you could draw a parallel to Outlook.com and Mail and Office 365. A long time ago, it wasn't the same infrastructure. Now it's all the same infrastructure, if I'm not mistaken. It's just that all Outlook.com is... Yeah, sort of the same. Outlook.com is still running, yeah, it's running all on Exchange and Office 365 yeah. now. So I wonder, like, I know that there's some groups, like like the SharePoint group, if you, they have a public repo where people can log bugs and they can have conversations with those people. And then what we do is we tag when they internally recognize it's something that needs to have an engineer assigned to look at it. They don't do that in GitHub. They instead have their own Azure DevOps board where they internally that they use to go through and to track all the sort of the changes and stuff so they can actually track that this bug, this commit goes with this bug, which address these files. And so we put a tag over on the GitHub issue that says it's been tracked. And I wonder if this integration here is just making it easier to maintain those links. So GitHub is still like the public face of this stuff where Azure DevOps is the more enterprisey internal paid version of that stuff. It's, you've already seen some of the stuff, like some of the CI stuff in Azure where you can, it links to GitHub. And so when there's a commit in the repo, it kind of, it'll trigger a, a build and all the tests and stuff. So I'm kind of curious yeah. to see where go with this. Yeah, for sure. I have one here, a GA thing. It's relatively minor, but still interesting. Azure Monitor Log Analytics, the UI got some updates in the middle of June. Simple stuff, like there's now a copy menu that allows you to very easily copy a link to a specific query that you've written or copy the query text or the results. There's a queue history. So you can see easily access the queue history from any log analytics instance. You can also, if you create or leverage any of the extended columns in the UI, they're now going to show in the results area by default, where before they were not showing up by default. You had to manually add those. And the last one is the blade size. So you can now collapse all of the blades on the left to go more full screen. Like, I know I do this like in, in App Insights and some of the other ones, like our Azure Active Directory. I don't want to see the menu on the far left. I don't want to see the Azure AD menu in the middle. I just want to jump straight into like slicing and dicing and looking at the data inside of yeah. like say App Insights. And so I can collapse those blades over on the left-hand side and focus just on the data. Would they have this capability or this is now something that it can do with Azure Monitor log analytics in the UI as well now. Very nice. Anything else on the news front or should we move on? I mean, we'll have another one here. There's another one about a new Azure monitor for VMs is now available in US West too. Oh yeah, more regional availability. Excellent. So there's more stuff that's there. But Azure monitor is getting a bunch of movement at the moment, huh? You know, they were doing this whole like refactoring of taking all the stuff that was in App Insights and Log Analytics and they're, Mm -hmm. they're really rationalizing everything down and they're trying to put it all under one hat. But 
the more you look at it, it's starting to get to be so big that it's kind of like, that's about the time you want to break it up. Like, well, you, you just had it all broken up. You just put it all together. And now it kind of, to make it easy to understand, maybe we need to start looking to break it up. But I don't know. Gotcha. I got a pair of more fun links, though, that I do want to share. But before we do that, I do have one more sponsor that I would like to call out to bring us our last two links. So let's hear from Raygun. Struggling to reproduce problems in your code base? Successful software starts with Raygun. Raygun provides application performance monitoring, unlike anything that you've experienced before, offering greater clarity around how your software is performing for your customers than any other APM provider. Easily detect and diagnose issues impacting end users and monitor every part of your stack in one place. It's time to get back to building great software instead of fighting it. Start your journey to better software quality and try Raygun for free at raygun.com today. Okay, CJ, I've got one bit of link, that I, one bit of link, that doesn't make sense. I got one link here that I found kind of interesting. Did you see that NASA confirmed that they were hacked back in, was it April? Yeah, back in April of 2018. Yeah, I did. I read this article and I actually clicked through to the full report and read not all of the audit document, but quite a lot of the audit document, which I found really interesting. And certain aspects of just the number of things they weren't doing well. And what really piqued my interest was that they had a Raspberry Pi, an unauthorized Raspberry Pi on the network that was the sort of the culprit for one of these hacks that let people get into one of their networks and then go further. And I found that really fascinating. So that sort of got me through to the audit document and started reading about what they were doing and where they were going wrong. Mm -hmm. But pretty interesting overall. I mean, they do some really important stuff. So it kind of surprised me a little bit. <laughs> well, and it was I, the part that I found really interesting was that when they did that, they, when they detected it, it was such a concern to them that the ISS mission control, they severed their link to JPL and said, we're not we want to make sure that nobody from the outside can somehow jump up to ISS. and Yeah. So it was interesting. Pretty rough. Yeah. So I think there's been a few, probably more than hand slaps going on over there about plugging random devices into things. And But, you know, hey, it just goes to show that all of that stuff is pretty common these days. People mm -hmm. plugging USB drives in and, you know, it's the age old, you drop a USB on the floor of the car park building or the parking lot outside the company you want to hack, wait for an employee to pick it up and then go plug it into their work machine to see what's on it and see whose it might be and then boom, you're in. That's uh, still to this day is, is an incredibly prevalent or credible angle of attack. I mean, we've just got more devices. We've got more devices and more things we take home and to work and all that. Like, I'm not surprised somebody brought a Raspberry Pi to tinker around with and plugged it in. Yeah. Let's put it that way. You got friends that want, I mean, that's the kind of demographic of the people that play with Raspberry Pis too, are they? So it's not too surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So the fact that their network was not in a state that could cope with that very well or stay secure in that situation is kind of interesting. So, for example, right, at Microsoft is the best example I've got of this. You can't just plug a machine hardwired into the Microsoft network and get on CorpNet without having certain certificates and encryption stuff being set up on your machine. You can plug in and get guest access, right? But you can't plug in and get CorpNet access, for example. Mm -hmm. That seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's that would have stopped the Raspberry Pi in this case. I don't know. Yeah, it would have, it would have at least uh, sandboxed it. 
Yeah, I guess so. I'm not sure what the details of it were, but anywho, I just thought, yeah, really interesting hack. You can skim read the audit documents. Pretty fascinating. Cool, cool. The other link that I have here, I wonder if if you've seen this yet. I've clicked through to it. I don't really understand it. Maybe you'll be able to explain it. It's not that I don't understand it. I just don't get it versus everything else. How about that? So this thing is called um, Pika. And what this is, and I'm still I'm still playing around a little bit with it to really to fully grok not only what it does, but what how much of a benefit it is. So this is mainly for those people who are client side developers um, working with client side JavaScript. So today, I think it's best under, it's best to understand what we do today, and then what we what we do today, and how this is making life a little bit better. So today. When you want to work with, let's say, an NPM package like React, when you want to work with React inside of a, of a website, inside of your code, you are going to do the whole import React from, and then say, React, and then import React DOM from React DOM, yeah. from that NPM package. And those packages are coming from the NPM package registry. So when you're doing this stuff local, or when you're doing this stuff in your, your local dev, you generally just use the stuff that's all local and you include the bundles in your application and all that stuff. When you then go to publish it, the good practice of doing it is to reference these things in a CDN instead of pulling them local. And so you generally configure your bundler to say, when you find an import to React or an import to to React DOM, don't import them into the bundler. Instead, I'm just going to put something in the my page that says go reference React from this CDN location. So it's not making my bundle bigger. I'm using the same JavaScript libraries that everybody else is using today. So it's a performance thing. Hmm. Now, today, one of the reasons we do that, I mentioned, I just said we bundle stuff. One of the reasons we end up having to bundle stuff today is because there's a syntax called the ES module syntax. It's part of the JavaScript spec. And every browser understands that syntax, but not every library understands it. And so what we end up doing is, is we create these bundles. And then once we create these bundles that define like this thing knows how to load, this thing knows how to define that it has dependencies to this other mm. thing. So it tells the browsers, go grab this instead. Mm. We end up having to do all that ourselves. And the most popular tool we use to do that is Webpack. Webpack goes out, pulls these bundles in or generates the bundles so we don't have to go create any polyfills or all that stuff. But it does add polyfills to your, your bundle to make sure that everything is going to work. Okay, so now that that's all been said, one of the things that Pika does is that Pika is, think of it like a dynamic CDN that sits between your app and, say, NPM packages. Yep. So if I was going to go use React, then I would want to go find where React is hosted in a CDN. What does the React team say? This is the URL you should use for React, just like jQuery does as well. Sure. And if a if a project didn't have that, then I would have to stand up my own CD and put the library there. So what Pika does, Pika says, we are going to be the front end to all the NPM packages. And so what we do is instead, when you want to go use React, you would say import React from, and then instead of using the name of the package, you would say the location is a import from HTTPS colon whack whack cdn.pika.dev slash React. Now, what that does is that the the Pika CDN is smart enough to detect what browser you're using, and it detects and says, hey, you know the ESM syntax. So I don't need to have you load any polyfills to make sure it's going to work for your browser. You're running Chrome. Everything works great in Chrome. But this other guy's running IE11. IE11 sucks. So you're going to need these other CDNs. 
So what it does is it's delivering, it's a CDN that's delivering, it's removing some of the work that we have to do that can be automated when you detect different browsers. And it's also going to optimize the packages for us so that somebody like you and me who's using Chrome or using a modern browser, we don't need to have the polyfills loaded in our machine. So why even get it referenced in our stuff? Whereas Pika will go through and load it for those people who are still using things like yeah. 11. The other thing that's nice about it too is that it uses things like it has always warm caches. So it's going to leverage your browser's shared module cache for much for really good performance. And it also means that you're also going to have fewer cold starts and faster load times. So like, for example, if you go to a site that uses a library called Vue or Lodash, Lodash is a really popular one. Lodash, this package has already been prefetched by a page and by Pika. So now every time you go to load, you go to a site that uses Lodash, it's going to be zero milliseconds to go have this thing loaded if it's coming from a Pika CDN because it's already been pre-cached. Gotcha. That's cool. I guess, doesn't this introduce like an extra point of failure between your app and the code that you need? Well, a point of failure and also a point of insecurity too, right? Like what happens if somebody managed to jack something in the middle here and start serving you code you didn't expect? So agreed. That is, it is a challenge, but it's a challenge and it's because if you're using your own, if you're not using your own CDN, using a third-party CDN, that's always a risk. That's Well, yeah, that thing getting hacked. But I guess there's a difference for me, I don't know how valid this is, between trusting Pika versus trusting Google CDN to go get React, for example. Right. This is a risk. It is yeah. that is definitely a risk, and it's so it's it like everything you got to you got to trade off. You got to trade it off, yeah, because yeah. So I learned about this recently. I'm trying to figure out like if I like this. For those of you who are SharePoint framework guys and gals, does this matter? Well, you're already going to be your the build pipeline for SharePoint framework is already using React. It's not exactly easy to strip that out, and it's the React the loading of all of your modules inside of a SharePoint framework inside a SharePoint page that's using the SharePoint frameworks, expecting a React bundle. So I don't know if this even applies to us, but it's something I thought that was pretty interesting. They say they're always going to be free. They have a way that you can sign up for a pro account or support the project using a Patreon. So you can pretty much donate to them. Like you get access to like some of the stuff that you could get, you get access to a SLA, you get access to private registry support, access to a private or in a global CDN audit logs, customer support, and granular Simber matching and version pinning to make sure that a new version doesn't get doesn't pop up on your application. So that, those are all cool things if you want to do that on the pro side. Something I still want to spend a little bit more time with, but I thought that, hey, for those of you who are devs, it's not really Azure-related news, but if you're a web dev, that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, that's cool. Well, yeah, I'm all up for nifty tools that help you get your job done better. So very nice. All right, should we do some picks? Let's do some picks. CJ's Hyperfish automates the collection of user profile information from users in organizational directories, such as Office 365, SharePoint, Active Directory, and HR systems. The secure service supports on-premises, hybrid, and online environments. Bring your directory to life at hyperfish.com. AC's Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. All right, CJ, you want to go first today? Yeah, sure. Uh, so first up, off cab off the rank, it's a little bit old, uh, old news, but the Raspberry Pi 4 is now available, starting at $35. Huh. 
pretty nice. It's got a new processor. It's got a quad-core 1.5 gigahertz, 64-bit Cortex A72 CPU, Ooh. around three times the performance. It comes in one, two, or four gigabyte models of RAM, gigabit Ethernet, which is nice, built-in wireless, built-in Bluetooth 5, and Bluetooth LE as well, I understand. Two USB 3 ports, which is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Dual monitor support for 4K Ooh. resolutions. Oh my God. Like, what the hell? It's We're a still Raspberry, Raspberry Pi. Pi. <laughs> yeah. It's got two HDMI, you know, sort of, I don't know what the right term is, but is it mini HDMI, like the really tiny little HDMI sockets? Yeah. Yeah, it's got two of those and can pump out at 4K resolution. 4K P60 decode of HVEC. Is that how you pronounce the acronym? HVEC video. So yeah. it's got some hardware decoding of, uh, of video stuff on it so that you can not overload the CPU too hard with some things. Pretty sweet. A four gigabyte memory version. So four gigs of RAM. Yeah. 55 bucks. Yeah. One gig version, 35 bucks. That it's is pretty cheap, isn't it? So did you see, I saw... Like, oh, uh, and, oh, and yeah. it does power over USB. Oh my God. Sorry, no, really? no power of USB. Power over Ethernet is what I meant. Oh, yeah, PoE, yeah. There's a little uh, daughter board that has a fan on it that you plug in and hook up so that it can keep it cool because I think power over Ethernet has some thermal considerations that they have to, I think it's like an extra 20 bucks or something. This is really cool what they've done. It absolutely blows my mind that they've been able to do this with a Raspberry Pi for yeah. this cheap. And did you see the thing? There was a cool little thing on it. It was, I think I saw it on Hacker News. They said, well, how, do we, how did we announce the Raspberry 4? What powers the site that is doing raspberrypi.org? Six oh, Raspberry 4s. Raspberry Seriously? Wow, that's yeah. cool. They stacked them together. So six of these little guys handled the entire site and the load when they, when they announced it for the launch and people started ordering them. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, really cool. So yeah, I'm a Raspberry Pi user. I use it for serving OpenHab and doing flight tracking stuff with an aerial. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've got like an older one, like a not even a three, I think it's a two. Anyway, it's pretty slow. So as soon as they come off back order, I will be getting one. <laughs> <laughs> the four gig models are all sold out right now. They're flying off the shelves. Ah, that's really, that's still, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool pretty stuff. nice. How about you? What do you got for us this week? Do you like dragonflies? Like the insects? Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty cool. You're going to really like this one. <laughs> Except when they, when they buzz you while you're swimming in, the, in a pool. Yeah. They... <laughs> so get this. NASA has announced their next mission. They're going for Saturn's Titan moon as the next destination is where they're going to try and hit with a, with a drone-like lander. That's cool. The mission, the mission is called Dragonfly. And they received <laughs> a nice little bunch of funding in the most recent budget that they got. There's a cool video here on, that I'm linked to in the show notes. Uh, it's via, I think, on, on The Verge. My understanding is that Dragonfly looks like it's supposed to, once it lands, it has the ability. It's like a little um, a drone. So it's not just like a, a rover, but it's like a real drone, so it should be able to fly around. So it'll be cool. to. Uh, this will be interesting to see how this guy does. It's a, That's the, the awesome. Art, it's very different from the stuff they've done in the past, uh, like on Mars. So it'll be curious to see. It looks fairly lightweight. looks fairly small. I, I, you can't really tell how big it is. It says... About 10 feet, it says, something like that. Yeah, about 10, about 10 feet. So it'll be, it's a 10-foot-wide quadcopter and looks like a giant drone. So it'll be interesting to see. This is just going to be really cool to see this. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a really cool. Going to Titan. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah. It'll be a fun mission to watch. It will be. It'll be really cool. It says uh, it is a two-year mission to get there, traveling 100... No, wait, sorry. It has the ability to travel across the service and let researchers visit several interesting sites over the course of the planned two-year mission, traveling about 108 miles during that time. Wow. Pretty cool. That's fun. Yeah. Not set to launch until 2016 and won't land on Titan until 2034. So we're going to be in our 60s, I think, when this, we see this one. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, we've got plenty of time to keep track of the project. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> By that time, we can get involved in it. Yeah. That sounds fun. Let's do that. We have one more yeah. listener pick, though. This is a keeper. You know more about this, about the individual behind... Actually, so this was submitted by... I'm sure I get his name right. Bjorn Gustav Bucklid. that sound right? I hope. Yes. Yes. <laughs> sounds good. Yes, he's from Norway. Sure. You know more about the person, though, the, the subject of the video. Do you want to? Do you want to talk a little bit about her? Yeah, so uh, he gave us a link to a video of hers, Fran Blanche... She's, I wouldn't say a famous YouTuber, but she's fairly popular on YouTube, especially when it comes to space-related stuff and music-related things too. So she's done a bunch of work in the past around the Apollo Disky, D-S-K-Y, Disky display, mm-hmm. which is um, part of the original Apollo guidance computer and things. So uh, you can go find her videos up on YouTube, but she's got a new video that we've been linked to, which was pretty cool, which is about a luminescent display version of the disky on a T-shirt that she's printed, which, OMG, take all my money. Where do I buy <laughs> Where can I buy? This is pretty cool. I was looking at I was, I was spot watching different pieces of it. It's really neat. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I'm not sure she's got them for sale. It's more about how you go about printing them and things. I don't know if she's going to sell them, but she totally should because... Yeah, that'd be pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> I love how during the video, she's got it on. She's got a t-shirt on too, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with the lights on, lights off, lights on, yeah. lights off. It's pretty sweet. But anyway, yeah, go back through her videos quite a while back. She does a whole bunch of really interesting sort of hardware-related videos, and things like that. But she's got, she basically has made this project to recreate the disky, And she creates display and all that sort of stuff and, yeah, you go watch all the videos. It's great. There's lots to yeah. lots to watch there. I didn't really know her until I saw this link, and but this is. I think I'm going to be falling into a um, a YouTube. It. Yeah, she's got loads of really cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I came across the videos a long time ago about the Disky project, and uh, yeah, she vlogs and does a whole bunch of things. So, yeah, definitely something to go check out. Very cool, great pick. Thank you very much, and we will be in touch. We will be sending you a solo key all the way over to Norway. Whoop, whoop. I would love to bring it to you in person. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Hand delivering. Just going to knock fun. on their front door. Be pretty awesome. Hi, we're here. Can we interview you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. AC. Thanks for another good week. Yeah, man. And uh, I will talk to you. I guess I'm going to talk to you about three or four days when we do our next show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. <laughs> all right, man. Take care. All right. Later. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in iTunes. Word of mouth recommendations are the most effective ways for us to grow the show. We'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as an MP3 or WAV file and provide a link so we can play your question on the show. 
Our theme music is brought to you by Keith Ritchie. For more information on Keith's music, head to music.kritchie.com. You can subscribe to us in iTunes and Google Play Store by searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or via RSS at microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll also find show notes of each episode. You can also find us on Facebook searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or on Twitter at MS Cloud Show. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to our website and entering your email to interact with us, participate in upcoming interviews, and other cool stuff. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.